Now before we go back to the book of Genesis, which we uh, have a, had a break uh, for some time, uh, we, I'd like us to go back to the book of Psalms. Now we had a break through 1 Peter, and then at the beginning of the year we opened up the Bible in Psalm 1, which is introduction to the Psalms. And today I'd like us to look at Psalm 2. Some scripts or manuscripts will have Psalm 1 and 2 together. Um, Theologians believe that 1 and 2, Psalm 1 and 2, go hand in hand. That They both serve as an introduction to the whole entire of Psalms. So before we go back to Genesis, I'd like us to to consider Psalm 2 to close that uh, introduction to this wonderful portion of Scripture, which is the Psalms. We are living in uncertain times. It seems like yesterday when we were just in lockdown and now we are hearing of war or the prospect of war uh, even on on our side. What's going on? What's happening? What should we do? Whom should we believe? These are questions that may be coming to our mind and we perhaps are looking everywhere for answers. But who should we listen to? Our way of thinking is affected by the voices that we hear. And there are experts everywhere. You can find experts all over the place, the BBC News or Sky News or other news. Hire all the experts to tell us how we ought to think or how we ought to understand things. They claim to be objective and and biased, but it doesn't take an expert to realise that indeed they, they would have their own agendas. And then there's social media with fake news, deep fakes, which are... Manipulated videos that look very real. How will we know what is true? Oh, well, thank goodness there's fact checkers. Always objective and very biased. And if they don't go far enough, then Big Brother will cancel you. Or Big Tech or whoever it is that's in power. Maybe you've given up to... Uh, what you hear on, on TV or online. Maybe you have gone away from mainstream, mainstream media altogether and now have turned to other sorts of experts, those broadcasting privately via Telegram or Rumble. Whatever the case, our way of thinking is affected by the things we hear, the people we listen to. So whom should we listen to? Well, today I would like us to go through Psalm 2 and I would, not, I would like us to listen in to the three voices that are speaking here in Psalm 2. Three voices which will put into perspective what's going on around in the world in which we live today. And if you are in him, if you are in Christ, if you are in the Lord, this psalm will encourage you as a believer in the midst of the difficulties and hardships and stress and wonder of what was going what is going on 
Psalm 2, as I said uh, earlier, is part of this introduction with Psalm 1. Psalm 2 is called a royal psalm. And it's written at a time when the nations were threatening war, at a time when there was, uh, they were planning devastation, at a time when they were bent in overthrowing the king, King David. But King David stands firm as he remembers God's promise to him at his coronation. And what is God's promise to David? God will bring all nations under the king. God will bring all nations under the Davidic king. So let us pay attention to these three voices that are there in Psalm 2. First, we'll hear the voice of the nations. Then we shall hear the voice of the Lord. And then we will hear the voice of the king. And we will conclude with his closing advice. Psalm 2 is naturally divided in four parts. Twelve verses, four parts, three verses each. The voice of the nations, the voice of the Lord, the voice of the king. And his closing advice. So let us take heed as we read his word. Father, help us understand your word, we pray. That you may transform us and change us to think biblically, to, to trust you, Lord, to, to be changed and transformed into the people you want us to be. In the name of our precious Saviour, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who seeks in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. And the ends of the earth, your possession, you shall break them with the rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Lord, speak to us. So let us look at the first section from verse 1 onwards. What do the nations say? Well, before we hear them speak, the psalmist is asking some very good and pertinent questions. He wonders why everyone is going against God. Why all the nations are running against the Lord and against his anointed. Why the nations of the earth and the kings of the earth go against God. And he's wondering this because he's thinking it's all in vain. It's silly. It makes no sense. They're going against the Lord. 
Verse 1, why do the nations rage? Now, the nations refers to the Gentiles, as the New Testament renders this passage. The nations, the Gentiles, and the peoples plotting vain. The peoples would refer to those within Israel who are plotting against the Lord. Verse 2, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Anointed is a person or the king in this case who would be poured with oil. That anointing would mark him, set him apart to be the king. Is the same word from the Hebrew Messiah or the same word translated into the Greek Christ, God's anointed. But he says that the peoples within the area plot in vain. And I've, I love that word plot because it's exactly the same word you'll find in, chap, in Psalm 1 verse 2. About the people of God who meditate day and night in his word. The word to meditate is exactly the same word here used in chapter 2 for plot. So while God's people meditate in God's law, those who are within and who are not the Lord's plot or meditate against the Lord and against his anointed. So David is asking, why on earth are the people going against God, the creator, and against his anointed one? It's all in vain. Now, the king here in question is David, but David is just a type. He's a type of the one to come, of the Davidic kingdom. He, one of his descendants, which is Jesus Christ. And we know that he's Jesus, the one that Psalm 2 is referring to, because the New Testament, every time it quotes Psalm 2, is always referring to Jesus Christ. For example, in Acts chapter 4, we read that as the people of God were being persecuted by the chief priests and the... And the, and the, and the um, Elders, they prayed to God and said, exactly quoting this passage, saying, why do the nations rage and plot in vain, Lord? And then they pray to God for boldness. This psalm is regarding the Saviour, Jesus Christ. And what do the nations say about God's King? Listen up, verse 3. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, they are saying is, let us break their chains and set ourselves free from God. In other words, we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to be under God. We want to do what we want to do. And that's exactly what the nations are doing today. All around us. Mexico. Last month, a man was granted or given a birth certificate that now says, no longer that he's male, but now says, MB, non-binary. For the very first time in Mexican history, a man has received a certificate that says that he's non-binary. Why do the nations rage and plot in vain against the Lord and his anointed one? In Mexico, again, the Supreme Court ruled in December 
that a man could now officially, on his birth certificate, change his age. And this is what the Supreme Court said. You are as old as you feel. Why do the nations rage? The Secretary of State for Digital, Nadine Doris, here in the UK, is seeking to regulate everything that is said online. There are no regulations at the moment, and they're seeking to introduce that. The problem is that this could inevitably lead to the censoring of Christian teaching online. The censoring is happening already in the schools and in the, the, the communication on, 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 um, in general, Ofcom and Ofgem. Or Ofsted, sorry. They already regulate what schools teach. And not only do they regulate it, but they push heavily a a one-sided agenda. Why? Because the morality of our culture dictates one thing, and so they are pushing that morality. Pushing. This is what you ought to think and believe. Uh, some MPs are seeking to now tap into homeschooling so that they can regulate that and to move forward closer and closer. These are the tentacles of Leviathan reaching out into all areas of our society. Why do the nations rage? It's a group called Humanist UK. They are calling for the government to ensure Christians are criminalised for calling others to repentance. Why do the nations rage? Governments around the world are um, encouraging a new ethical standard for financial investment. It's called the E-G, ESG. ESG stands for Environment, Social and Governance. And, and you need to meet these criteria in order for you to be eligible for People to invest in you. The more ethical you are within the ESG, you receive more chances for you to receive good investment. Environment. So if you are environment friendly, you get more points. S, social. If you go along with the CRT, if, if, if you hire in the very high position within the company, uh, a black person, uh, a woman and perhaps who is uh, homosexual, you would have bigger points than others. It's a morality of the world. And then there is also within that same S, the LGBTQIA2S+. I'm not making this up. This is how many letters now they have in their um, slogan or name. LGBTQIA2S+. On the other hand, as soon as Russia uh, began to invade the Ukraine, Richard Moore, the chief executive of the MI6, tweeted this. With the tragedy and destruction unfolding the distressing, so distressingly in Ukraine, we should remember the values and hard-won freedoms that distinguish us from Putin. None more than LGBT plus rights. 
And so also on the day when Russia invaded the Ukraine, a leaked document revealed that MI5 and MI6 are urging their agents to acknowledge their white privilege and at the same time to declare their pronouns. They need to now say, I, I self-identify as he, him, etc., etc. And almost at the same time, the Minister of Defence announced in Twitter that their LGBT coffee morning was a total success. And they had the opportunity to discuss uh, things like asexuality and pansexuality on the day of the invasion. Immediately they removed the tweet. But this goes to show the morality or the mindset. Why do the nations rage against the Lord and against his anointed? No, my dear friends, the West are not the good guys. Why do the nations rage and the kingdoms plot in vain? But even though the nations rage against the Lord, God has something to say about them. But before we listen to what God has to say about them, notice what God does there in verse 4. Is he afraid and dismayed of the intentions of, of, of the nations, of their evil intentions? Of course he's not dismayed. That's ridiculous. Look at verse 4. He who sits in the heavens laughs. He's amused at what's going on in the earth. The Lord holds them in derision. Derision means ridicule. And this reminded me of the Tower of Babel as we were going through Genesis. How, how they wanted to reach their heavens and, and, and be there to the very heaven. And the passage says... God came down, or the Lord came down. The Lord holds them in derision. God sees the nations as nothing. Imagine a man carrying a bucket filled with water, and as he's moving along, suddenly a, a drop of water falls off the bucket. The little drop of water that falls out of the bucket is to man the same way of what nations are to God. This is what Isaiah 40.15 says. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. But God does not sit there just silent. The Lord speaks and he brings terror to the nations in his wrath. Look at verse 5. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. Wrath. Wrath. And a side note, wrath is one of the forgotten attributes of God. Many in our day to day shy away from talking about God's wrath. We ought to focus in God's love. Love. But love demands justice. God's wrath will fall on the nations unless they repent. They must repent and turn to Christ, who is the propitiation for us. Propitiation, meaning he, he's, he's, he's appeased the wrath of God for us. He became sin for us. A few years ago, there was a controversy about the hymn we sung earlier, In Christ Alone. The controversy was over the line that says, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. 
such a controversy that they decide, some, some group decided to not include it in their hymn book because of that one line about the wrath of God. The former bishop of Durham, N.T. Wright, suggested it could be changed to Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. And the love of God was magnified indeed, but the wrath of God was also satisfied. God indeed is love, but the Bible also teaches about God's wrath. Wrath is one of the unspoken attributes of God. God will send people to hell. Now let's go back to the text. There in verse 6. What does the Lord say that terrifies the nations? Look at there verse 6. As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Zion is the, 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 the mount of the, or the uh, hill where the temple of the Lord is. It is also a symbol of, of what Jerusalem is. Sometimes Jerusalem is called Zion. God has set his king on Zion. David's throne is firmly set, firmly installed, firmly established as he promised. The Davidic king is firmly established. And this is one of the reasons or the reason why the nation should tremble. Many kings throughout history have gone against Christianity quite openly, and even in our day today. After Constantine uh, decriminalized, we could say, Christianity through the Edict of Milan, uh, many years after, another emperor by the name of Just Julian, Julian the Apostate, he wanted to restore paganism into the Roman uh, Empire. So he went against Christianity, he worked tirelessly against it, and he even wrote a book against Christianity. <coughs> Julian the apostate was wounded in battle, and as he was dying, he grabbed or picked a handful of, uh, of sand up into the air and said, Thou hast conquered, O thou Galilean. You have conquered, O Galilean, O Jesus, you have conquered. And he died at the age of 31, 32. The reason why Julian the Apostate could not overthrow Christianity is because Christianity is founded and grounded in Jesus Christ, the Lord, who is the rock, the rock, the Lord. And nations can do what they like, but it's pointless, it's hopeless, it's helpless. Believers are rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus the Lord. Is your life built upon the rock of Jesus Christ? Are you in Christ? Is your life on the solid rock which is Jesus? Or are you a Christian in name only? Do you just go with emotions? Happy clappy on a Sunday. Well, Arthur would say, no, we're Baptists. We don't clap. I do clap. And then from the Monday onwards, forget about the Lord. Never pray, never pick up the Bible, never think of the Lord. Just live one's life as if the Lord does not exist. Put one's humanistic cap on and go out. 
Oh, it's Sunday. We need to put my Christian cap on now. Are you a Sunday Christian? Or are you rooted and grounded in Christ? Is Christ Jesus your only hope in life and death? He's firmly set in the heavens. He's firmly set on his throne. So, we've heard the voice of the nations speak loud and clear, plotting against the king. And we've heard the voice of the Lord declaring or affirming the established king or the established throne of the Lord, his king. Now let's listen to the voice of the king himself from verse 7. Now David, the king, is the psalmist who wrote this psalm. He's God's anointed king. And here he remembers his enthronement. He's remembering when he was enthroned, his coronation. Look at verse 7. I will tell of the decree or I will declare the decree. That decree that made him king. He's calling He's recalling, sorry, what God promised. But what's amazing about this psalm is that God's promise to David points us forward to the descendant of David, which is Jesus Christ, the Lord, the son of God. Look at verse seven again. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Verse seven is repeated many times in the New Testament. In Romans one. In Hebrews 1, Hebrews 5, and also in, in, in Acts chapter 13. And in both Romans 1, 4, and Acts chapter 13, verse 33, the Apostle Paul, who's speaking in Acts also, declares that Christ Jesus' death was his coronation. His death fulfilled this portion of Scripture. Christ, the crucified, is king. And so, God then says to the promised king of kings, verse 8, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. God's light will come into the world and dissipate darkness. Through Jesus Christ the Lord. The nations will come under Christ and the nations will be blessed through Christ. The nations will come under the Lord, under his rule. Look at verse 9. You shall break them or you shall rule them as the footnote in ESV helpfully points out. You shall break them or rule them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. In other words, the king will be sovereign over all. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, is glorious. That it is precious in the sight of the believer to know that the Lord, the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth who has set his king on the throne reigns with great sovereignty which means that 
Even if we are persecuted, we are saving him. Even if they take our lives, we are saving him. Why? Because he is seated on the throne and he reigns sovereign today. And do you know who, who it is that plays a part in God's promise or God's plan of gathering the nations? <coughs> Believers. <coughs> Believers. Matthew chapter 28 reminds us, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus Christ said. All authority. He rose again from the dead. Everything is now under him. The, the crown saviour. All authority. And then he adds, go therefore. Because now all authority belongs to me. I am sending you disciples. Go therefore. And make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And teaching them to keep everything that I have commanded you. In other words, baptism and teach them to obey. And I will be with you always till the end of the age. What a glorious promise. And this is amazing because believers in Jesus Christ who are broken people. I mean, we're broken people. We're sinners, redeemed sinners. And God, God calls us redeemed sinners to go into the nations and make disciples of all people. He's mind-blowing. He's mind-blowing. We're to go, go and tell the governing authorities that Jesus Christ is king. We're to go and tell our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues, our family members, everyone around us that Jesus Christ reigns. We are to proclaim that Jesus Christ is the rock. Hewn not by human hands, who's becoming a huge mountain. Jesus Christ is Lord and he's king and he reigns. And we may be persecuted, but no one will be able to stop him. He's the Lord. He's the Lord whose kingdom shall outlast the years. And this is why he finishes with this closing remarks or this closing advice. Verse 10. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son or pay homage to the son. Submit to the son. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Listen up, O kings. Understand that the man whom you are rejecting today is the eternal son of God. Listen up. God's appointed king who will come and through whom he will come and judge the nations. He will be Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 17, 31 says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Jesus Christ will come to judge. So today the nations may rage. One day their knees will bow. Even Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, Pol Pot, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some for eternal glory under King Jesus. 
others for eternal damnation because King Jesus will indeed bring that judgment. So, disciples of Jesus Christ, go with the authority of King Jesus and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey the King, King Jesus the Lord. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your encouragement as we read this psalm. Stirs our hearts up in knowing that all is under control and we may hear left, right and centre of all sorts of ideas, all sorts of scheming behind the scenes. But Lord, we shall not fret. We shall not worry about the things we cannot even understand, let alone control. But we know, O Lord, that Christ Jesus is seated now and he's our Lord. He is our Saviour. O Lord, help us, we pray. Help us, we pray, Lord. And give us boldness to proclaim. For Lord, we fear. We are quick to fear. Give us boldness, Lord, to proclaim. But Lord, give us also clarity. So that as we speak, people may hear and understand. And that as we go and speak, Lord, may you be in the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.